You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We are test, test, testing this right now, Chris, to see if we're actually going live on our YouTube. We're having a little bit of technical, I don't even know if it's difficulties other than maybe it's just our understanding that is the difficult part of this, Chris. But either way, man, I am ecstatic right now because the New York Giants just went to Nashville, Tennessee and defeated the number one seed in the AFC last year in a come from behind fashion where Brian Dable went for two with just a little bit over a minute left to go in the game. And then you had the Tennessee Titans drive down the field, get in the field goal range, and former Giant great Randy Bullock goes wide left, not wide right. Shout out to Scott Norwood and the New York Giants win the freaking football game 21 to 20. I love it. It was invigorating. I was jumping up and down like a kid, and I hadn't done that in years for this New York Giants team. It's good to be back, baby. It's good to get a win. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, the- I gotta say, this is just one hell of a game. It, this was just a a stunning win. Because you go back to the first half, this looked like just the same old Giants. The defense was tough, but giving up big plays, the offense couldn't find any traction. They couldn't get in the end zone. They couldn't score points. Saquon Barkley looked pretty good in the first half, but that was about it. it this really looked like the titans were going to run away with the game and then the titans kind of fell apart in the third quarter and the giants were able to take advantage of their mistakes sterling shepherd took advantage of a terrible coverage breakdown by christian fulton saquon barkley took advantage of some terrible tackle attempts and a great block by joshua zudu for that big run and that was really all the giants needed and speaking of Saquon Barkley, he might be the emphasis that we want to really just talk about right now because we've been waiting for our 2018 light Saquon Barkley. 2019 he had the high ankle sprain, finished the season strong, tore his ACL in 2020. Last year was terrible. Not necessarily all on Saquon Barkley coming back from an ACL injury, obviously, but the entire situation with Jason Garrett and, and Freddie Kitchens, it was just a bad situation. But what he just did against the Titans, who, mind you, now, they lost a couple of defensive pieces, but mind you, they were the, I think, the second best run defense in the National Football League last year. And what they were able to do was what he was able to do along with the blocking. And we could talk about the blocking, Mike Kafka and some of the play calls a little bit later. It was phenomenal. You saw the explosiveness. You saw Saquon Barkley hit those home runs, but not even just that. He also had those five, six yard gains that you did not see over the last couple of years of him using his vision and his decisiveness to read blocks, allow blocks to set up and then find the most advantageous hole to explode through. I felt like Saquon Barkley had one of the best games we've seen from him as a New York Giant. Yeah, he really did. Uh, he didn't get all, he didn't get involved as a receiver all that much. The Giants tried to go to him in the end zone. That didn't work out too well. But as a runner, he looked faster, more explosive, and more agile than he has in years. 18 for 164 
and a tutty. He averaged 9.1 yards per carry. Yes, he had that long 68-yard gain that he, you know, that he kind of sprung off. He had another really long gain as well. But like I said, man, it wasn't just one. It wasn't just two. It was a few different times. And it was so obvious that Saquon Barkley was going to be the focal point of this offense. And you can see there were a lot of checkdowns to Saquon Barkley. They tried to design that pass in the red zone where Daniel Jones attempted to put it back shoulder, which was a terrible read on Daniel Jones's part because the way the quarter, the cornerback was playing Saquon in the end zone. And Brian Dable gave him a mouthful. And Brian Dable, dude, we could just talk about Brian Dable too, Chris. <laughs> the guy went for two. The guy went for two in that situation. I love that. You're on the road. No one expected you to win. You were underdogs. You go for two. You seize the day. Total A7X Avenged Sevenfold style. You seize the day. I loved that about Brian Daywell. But yeah, man, I mean, there's a lot to kind of dive into here too. Like it, to kind of go off on another tangent, like what's going on with Kadarius Tony, Chris? That's that's a whole another weird thing. I, I don't know. The reports of him just sitting by himself on the bench. Uh, I think he had two snaps in the whole first half. Wandale Robinson, which we have to mention, knocked out of the game with a knee injury. Um hopefully he will be okay. He took a hard shot on his one reception, but he had nine, he had nine snaps before he was knocked out of the game. So he had four times as many snaps as Kadarius Tony in the first half. And he left the game early. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. The giants did try to get Tony involved in the second half. He is very quick. He is a weapon, but, for all of his moves, all all the jittering and everything he did, all the excitement, he didn't really do much. No, he didn't really do much. He wasn't really out there that often. You saw a lot of Richie James and David Sills out there. So Kenny Galladay get some catches in the first half. We're like, oh, there he is getting some catches. But, man, I loved the game that Mike Kafka called because he was calling a variety of different rushing styles, man. He was doing double pullers, a little bit of G lead, and then he would show a play, run the football, then show it again like two plays later, same exact play, and then he would build a play-action pass off of that. And he did that down in the red zone, and it was on, I think, that final touchdown drive, which was capped off by a Chris Myrick touchdown. That was an excellent just sequencing of plays from Mike Kafka. And I'm excited about him, man. This is somebody who has never had the opportunity to call plays until he came here with the New York Giants. The Giants may have found an excellent play caller here because I think they call plays to the strengths of Daniel Jones. They try not to put him into a position where he's going to try and do too much, which is something that's gotten Daniel Jones in trouble in the past. And they rely on their workhorse known as Saquon Barkley in a variety of different ways and not just as a running back, but also as a receiver, which I feel like is one of the best assets about Saquon Barkley that we haven't really seen come to fruition since he arrived here in 2018. Yeah, we, we were always asking for the Giants to get Barkley more involved as a receiver, run those wheel routes, run the, the angle, the Texas routes, move him out to the slot, move him out wide. And they never really did anything with that. Yeah, Pat Shermer didn't, Jason Garrett didn't. But finally, it looks like the Giants have a football mind that is that understands what year it is it understands that it's 2022 not 1992 out there and i also love how well i don't love the fact that the giants offense struggled but they struggled early those first three drives were what like three and out three and out they might have picked up one first down on one of them and the offensive line was just getting dominated at the point of attack by jeffrey simmons and the giants were trying to use ben bredesen they're trying to use joshua zudu at least it looked like that just off the broadcast and it wasn't really working because he's such a game wrecker but they were able to establish the run and slow the tempo down to kind of take the heat off of daniel jones to slow that pressure from the tennessee titans down to keep that 
defense honest. And they were able to hit those big runs because the Titans were being so overly aggressive, a lot of their gap pursuits and everything like that. So I, I like the fact that the Giants offense under heat with Daniel Jones as their quarterback, and he has his faults were able to stabilize themselves and establish a rhythm. And we even saw them establish a rhythm. And then what happened? Jones was strip sacked and it was a fumble. And it was like, dude, this is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. But they were able to turn it on in the third quarter and they sustained it throughout the fourth quarter. And despite a really boneheaded interception in the red zone by Daniel Jones, like despite that, they still found a way to be resilient enough to win this football game. I really think that speaks to the character of this football team under Brian Dayball, under the tutelage of Joe Shane with Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale as his coordinators. Yeah, I... I two things really kind of jumped out to me, especially about the second half for the Giants. The first is this team is aggressive. It's aggressive on defense, which we knew. You know, that last drive with Wing Martindale, he was sending everybody on every snap. Yeah, he, he wasn't playing any kind of prevent defense. He wasn't trying to play the clock or anything like that. He was attacking every single day, every single snap. But also, Brian Dayball, like, you talked about how the guts he had to go for go for two to me i i knew that was going to happen as soon as the giants got down into into the red zone because he had absolutely no reason to go for the tie yeah there is no pressure on brian dayball right now if he if he goes for two and it fails who is going to criticize him for that i mean really the giants went to the number one seed in the afc and gave them one hell of a fight. They came up just, you know, if he went for two and it didn't work, came up just short, but hey, they went down swinging. People would be ecstatic over that. But he goes for, the, instead of going for the tie, he goes for the win. And he gets it. Yeah, if he goes for the tie, anything can happen in overtime. We've seen that before. You know, we saw once the Titans started playing with tempo, once they put their foot back on the gas the Giants really struggled to slow them down even with all of the aggression that Wink Martindale has and we did see the Giants kind of shoot themselves in the foot a couple times on that last drive where a couple penalties a couple defensive holdings some of which almost were borderline pass interference but the Giants got kind of I think lucked out a little bit with the five-yard penalty instead of the spot foul that, that could have changed things up considerably at the end of the game. It would have changed things up considerably. I love the bounce back game, though, from Barkley and Shepard, two players who have struggled with injuries basically their entire career. And if you look at the defense, you're right, man. They, they bottled up Derrick Henry. I mean, 21 carries for 82 yards at home against a team that just released their starting linebacker like a week ago. That's pretty damn good. If you would have told me that before this game, I would have signed up for that any day of the week. No touchdowns. It's not like he had many big, you know, wow type of runs. You saw him get knocked around a little bit, which I was like, oh, I thought Tay Crowder had a bad game, but Tay Crowder laid the lumber on Derrick Henry. I mean, what the heck is going on, Chris? And then yeah. so did Julian Love on the sideline. Julian Love like flew in there and just stuck Derrick Henry. Yes. And I was like, oh, oh that's crazy. Now, on that one take Crowder hit, Henry, did, he didn't run behind his pads at all. He was completely upright. That was a end-of-career Brandon Jacobs run right there where he was just broadsided straight up. But still, it. very nice hit. Very nice hit. And I got to tell you, man, Todd Downing, I felt like he called a pretty good game up until that last uh, drive when he tried to do the end around to Chig Okonkwo. I thought that was a little bit of, a little bit of a head-scratcher when you have Derrick Henry, even though the Giants were playing the run pretty well. I think you, you know, 
it harkens back to the the Patriots Super Bowl loss to the Seattle Seahawks when they decided to give the football to uh, what was the receiver's name? They threw it instead of not giving it to Marshawn Lynch. It's like give it to your workhorse there. That was a very cocky type of play. But other than that, I felt like Downing was really dialing up a lot of plays to exploit the fact the Giants love to run man coverage. That the Giants were being very aggressive to stop Derrick Henry. And they wanted to exploit the fact that they had Austin Calitro and Tay Crowder out there a lot. And I felt like, you know, they did. I felt like Calitro, he made a couple plays and I can't wait to watch the all 22 and I'll be all over it on my Twitter if anybody wants to go check it out. But Tay Crowder, they were really using Hilliard as a receiving threat anytime he was lined up man coverage against Tay Crowder. We saw it on both of those touchdowns. I think Calitro was on the first touchdown and then the other touchdown that was Tay Crowder who basically just let him go to the flat and he didn't and just was a little bit late to recognize what exact exactly was going on. And Tay Crowder, he's an okay athlete, but some of these more athletic running backs are going to be able to exploit it like we saw last year in week two with JD McKissick. So that's something that we got to monitor kind of going forward into week two. How opposing offensive coordinators are going to be able to take advantage of the Giants' second level in coverage. Yeah, that, that's something I think we're going to see a lot. If they can isolate Tay Crowder on a an athletic running back, uh, looking at Christian McCaffrey, looking yeah. at J.D. McKessick, that's yeah, that's something Giants. That's something Wig Martindale is going to have to deal with right there. So I w- I actually wouldn't be surprised to see a lot, maybe some more safeties out on the field. Dan Belton. I think when yes. Dane Belton gets back, he's somebody who can find his way onto the football field if he's like up to speed with everything terminology-wise and, and whatnot. But man, dude, it, it was exciting. It was exciting, and I, I appreciated what we saw. And I think from a coverage standpoint, there's going to be some bumps and bruises all season. There's a lot of man coverage. And Darnay Holmes, I thought felt like a lot of the catches he surrendered, he was actually in pretty good coverage. The throw was just like elite from Ryan Tannehill, and the route from typically Kyle Phillips was just an excellent route. But... I will say he gets grabby, man. Like on the yeah. couple of those pivot, those pivot routes where Kyle Phillips sold like he was going in, pivoted outside. He always had a t- has a tendency to grab like underneath the shoulder pad, and it gets flagged every time. Rightfully so. A lot of those times, man, when you see the yellow laundry come out on those final drives, I'm like, oh man, that better be that better be a bad foul. And then I was, like, oh. no, 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 it was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I I gotta say with the when these young secondary players when the pressure gets on them they start to revert to some bad habits it's just a thing that's going to happen it's something they're either going to have to work through or they won't and it's something other teams are going to try to exploit you know like i i fully expect to see teams trying to scheme pressure up the interior of the giants offensive line whenever there is a an obvious passing down which i kind of get the feeling that Mike Kafka is going to try to avoid it. Daniel Jones had a great completion percentage, but other than that deep bomb to Sterling Shepard, they kept everything super simple. They kept everything right around that five to seven yard range. And they schemed a lot of quick read RPO open receiver type plays. They did not put much on Jones at all. And I appreciated that too. I think that's the way you win with Daniel Jones. And that's not necessarily a knock on Daniel Jones, but allow him to be comfortable. And what was he comfortable doing in college under David Cutcliffe running RPOs? I think that's the best way. Somebody has a uh, ad running. That's ESPN guys doing Uh, ESPN things. We are not advertising for ESPN. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you. But I am looking at your stats right here. And it is nuts though too, Chris, because this team was... You know, goose egged 
going into halftime. They yes. looked terrible, like I said, those first couple drives. And then they had really just back-breaking mistakes that did not allow them to score points until the defense really stepped up. I mean, Titans received the football, and I was like, oh, crap, man, we're screwed, you know? But the defense stepped up three and out. And then freaking Saquon Barkley just put the team on his back with that 68-yard run, and then he ended up capping that off with a touchdown. And then you had another three and out from the Titans defense. So, and then that's when Daniel Jones hit Sterling Shepard. And at that point, I'm like, yo, we're gonna win this game. I think I saw Snacks, who is a, a buddy on Giants Twitter, Nikki Snacks, tweet at halftime, we're winning this football game. And I was like, ah, I love that. I love the, the spunk <laughs> there. You know what I'm saying? And, and he was right. They won the football game. And, you know, you love when you call your shot and you're correct. So Snacks, shout out to you, bro. Yeah, and it did help that the Titans receivers, they got beat up by the ball. Mm. You had the ball go right through a couple guys' hands, bounce off just bad deflections. I thought Ryan Tannehill played – he played a good game. He was very aggressive with challenging the Giants' defensive backs. He, he tried to fit the ball into some spots where he should not have tried to do that. But he also completed more than a, more of those sh- throws than he probably should. Yeah, but man, the Giants were helped out by some drops in some big situations. I think Aaron Robinson could have had two huge plays. The one that was kind of low and behind that he almost intercepted. And then on that last drive, I think it was, I can't remember who exactly it was. One of them, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams got their mitt in the hair or in the air and just knocked the pass down. I think that might've been undercut. And I think Aaron Robinson might've had an interception, which would have flipped the entire narrative. That would have been excellent for the kid, right? If he could have oh, came yeah. away with an interception because the, the narrative is so terrible about Aaron Robinson, but he held his own in this game. Like a lot of the completions that really were just like, like head, like just like you want to rip your hair out of your head. They were all just like deep overs and deep crossing routes, which Chris, you know, football, what is that designed to target man coverage? Yes. And a lot of the times, man, like the corners were just right there. They were on the hip, but I got to give my credits, Ryan Tannehill. He put the football right where it needed to be. He was very accurate in this game on those types of plays, but he had a couple that could have possibly been intercepted, but the giants didn't come away with them, but it doesn't matter because the giants end up winning this football game, baby. Yeah, th- this really was a game where last year, at, at any point in the last six years, since like 2016, this is a game the Giants lose. Now, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep grinding out these types of wins in the down the yeah. season, down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, next week and subsequent weeks. I'm not sure if this team has the firepower to go in and win a shootout. It, they need the defense to keep the game manageable, and they're going to need Saquon Barkley to keep having games like this. Which is really not sustainable. You would hope that it is, right? But like that, this was like a huge game by Saquon Barkley. And one thing, I don't want to get negative here, but let's, you know, we, we try to be, we gotta be honest. about as objective as we can be. The Giants had a muffed punt by a rookie, Kyle Phillips, and the ball was right there. Total momentum swinging type of play. And they got zero points off that because Daniel Jones threw a bad interception in the red zone. And the only reason I bring that up is because it's something that we've criticized and chastised that man for in the past was ball security in the red zone. And I felt like under Jason Garrett, he actually did a little bit of a better job with that than he did with Pat Shermer going back to his day, his rookie season in 2019. But we saw it rear its ugly head here. And that was just one of those throws where you can't make it. And we saw how Brian Dable was talking to him and you could tell he's like, you just can't do that. You have to read the cornerback, get to read his leverage in order to throw that back shoulder throw. And it wasn't even a well-placed ball. It didn't really have a lot of velocity on it. And I understand that's the read 
on that play. At least I think it is judging by the coverage, but you, you have to have that cornerback playing high and trying to squeeze Barkley to the sideline instead of like kind of squatting and looking directly at you. So it was just a terrible choice by the starting quarterback of the New York giants. But other than that, man, I mean, I felt like he had a solid game, but I think you were accurate. They didn't put a ton on his plate. We saw a couple, you know, first and 10 runs, second and five runs. They knew that Saquon Barkley was the way they were going to win this football game. And they were right. Yeah. And I, I think they came to that conclusion after the, those first few offensive offensive drives when the Titans were just eating the Giants interior offensive line alive. Yeah. I saw John Feliciano getting bowled back a few times. The, the Bud Dupree sack that was really set up by the interior pressure opening up that, I believe it was the left a gap you looped through. Yeah. That that's something the giants are either going to have to tighten up or scheme around. Yeah. So we got a question about the sequence on the final touchdown. The, the Chris Myrick touchdown, I believe is what uh, let's see who's asking it. So I can get their name out there. I'm blind. The RPG network. Uh, so yeah, no, I talked about that a little bit in the beginning of the episode RPG network. I felt like they showed, I think it was twice and I don't have the film in front of me right now, but I think it was twice. Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong. The look where you bring Sterling Shepard in from like, you know, he's not like aligned on the numbers and then you bring him in up tight and then he kind of inserts into the B gap to lead block kind of like a Y insert play only with a slot receiver, Sterling <laughs> Shepard. And they, they did that like twice. And then they showed that similar look and they ran boot action off of it. And they found Chris Myrick in the end zone. So I, I liked how they just got into the heads of Tennessee and, why would you not think that it was going to Saquon Barkley with the success that the Giants were having running the football at that point in the game? Yeah, you'd think it's going to Saquon Barkley, especially when your quarterback threw an interception in the red zone the last time they were there. But he came back and he was able to have that touchdown right there. He kind of rose to the occasion. I know the play was, you know, led him in a spot where he should take advantage of the defense. But Chris Myrick found his way to get open there and it was a touchdown. But I felt like the sequencing of plays was great in that area. And in a lot of areas of this game, I really, really appreciated what Mike Kafka showed us. And Wink Martindale was Wink Martindale. <laughs> yes. He, he, Wink Martindale went full Wink Martindale. I'll, I'll be interested to see what the the rate, the coverage rates and how often the Giants called man coverage and you know, how often they blitzed and sent extra rushers because it, it's going to be a lot. If it wasn't the, the highest in the NFL for this week, it's got to be damn close. And I just to circle back on the giant sequencing, I'm not going to put Kafka up with Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan just yet, but it was the similar style of play sequencing where you almost train the defense to look one way, to expect one thing. And then after you do that a couple times, they're ready for it. You go someplace else and then you hit them with the gut shot. And they actually use that, Sterling Shepard blocking run a few times. They, I think they used it twice before the touchdown. They used it before, uh, before on that drive, and they used it previously. Which, when you've got a guy as tough as Sterling Shepard, he's a good blocker. He he may not be very tall, but he is stout. He is strong, and he is very very physical. That's a big reason why he's been hurt as much as he is. He he doesn't back down from anybody. Yeah, Chris, we're probably going to get out of here soon, but I just want to end this by saying we have a head football coach right now who looked at his team in a dire situation when everything was on the line for that game with a franchise that hasn't won football in so damn long and said, 
we are going to go for two in this spot. And they freaking got it, bro. That's something that we would have never seen from last year's coaching regime. We would have never seen anything like that. And that's the coach that we have here. And we've seen what Brendan Staley's effect has been with the Chargers. And yes, it kind of bit him in the rear end at the end of the season last year against the Raiders. But the players really appreciate that mindset because you're giving your players an opportunity. You're trusting your players. And you saw the passion and emotion Saquon Barkley had when he came off the field when they converted that two-point conversion and how he embraced and hugged Brian Dable. Like that right there is huge for the culture of the New York Giants. It's huge for Brian Dable and it's huge for this city. And I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of aggression is something we haven't seen in New York in a in a really, really long time. I I really since Steve Spagnolo was calling the defense and it would be third down and he'd throw the kitchen sink at the opposing offense. That's kind of the last time I really remember seeing it. And more often than not, that will eventually pay off. It will bite you in the ass. D- don't get me wrong that the giants are going to have some tough losses this year because of that coaching style. But right now, this st- coaching staff, this team is playing with house money. They've got nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose at all. Chris, you have anything else on this 21 to 20 Giants victory over the Tennessee Titans? You know, not until NFL spits out the game tape and we can get a real good look and see exactly what happened and why. And we'll be talking about it extensively over at Big Blue View. So please, everybody, go to BigBlueView.com and check that out. Check the podcast feed, Big Blue View Radio. We will be there all week talking about your favorite football team, the 1-0 New York football giants. Take care, everybody. Have a lovely day. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS via the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.